And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Well, welcome everyone to another Fastened Like Nails broadcast. And in the studio with me, two of my favorites of all time, Molly Mayo and Colin Smith. Hello. Hello. Okay, so today we're going to talk about another giant. Mm -hmm. Today, the giant of hate. But I can't wait till we get to the giant of pride. He's like the the biggest of all the giants, mm -hmm. and that's coming next, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so today we're going to deal with the giant of hate, and let's explore a little bit as to like where this giant comes from and how he develops in a child's life into an adult's life that, you know, takes on, you mm -hmm. know, just hating everything in their lives. Mm. So um, so this book, The Giant Killer, it uh, that you, the children learn. What I love about The Giant Killer is that it's, it's a book within a book. So you've got the story going on mm -hmm. with this, these two brothers and mm -hmm. this this cousin of theirs, and and they come and live with them, and, and they've got to wrestle with what the mother teaches them about the giants that are in their lives. And if they don't defeat the giants, then these giants are going to conquer them. Mm -hmm. And so um, a story within a story. And then it goes into the, you know, kind of the the illustrated part of the story where they're going to fight these giants. Fides, the knight, is going to fight the giant of sloth, the giant of selfishness, uh -huh. the giant untruth. of hate. Oh, untruth. I forgot about untruth. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the giant of hate, which we're going to explore today. And then finally, the giant of pride. And he's going to have the, the biggest battle. And not all of our books end, you know, with the way we think they're going to end. Mm -hmm. You know, does Fides, the knight, does he really end up winning this battle? We're going to find out um, the next broadcast. But today, let's look at the giant of hate. So, Colin, um, take it away. All right. Well, as we've all said, our giant today, the opponent we're facing off against is the giant of hate. So, our key verse for the day is going to be Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Mm. All right. So... What do you mean it covers all wrongs? Well... A covering is something uh -huh. that places over. And yeah. do you know where else there's a covering in the Bible? Joseph. Yeah. And earlier? Noah pitched the tar on the ark, and that's the word for covering. Earlier? <laughs> uh, God covered Adam and Eve. Yes. Oh. And he covered them. They tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves of their own righteousness. Mm. And then God says, no, you need an animal sacrifice, a life, something to die in your place to cover you. And so it's a blood sacrifice. And that's where we get the idea of a covering, an atonement, mm -hmm. and the covering of the altar. It's where you spread the blood of the atonement. And that's what it means. Yeah, so the word covering is the word for atonement in Hebrew. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Just recently I was reading where, you know, God is requiring all of these blood sacrifices. You know, tens of thousands of animals would die, okay? So you would think that in that bloody scene, Literally in, in Jerusalem, the blood would go – where Jesus was in the um, – you know, from Gethsemane, that whole area, Gethsemane, mm. if you go down to – you go down to the valley, then you go up up to Jerusalem, Jesus would have had to have walked through a valley of blood in order to get to the other. His, his feet would have been bloodied before he got there. The Lamb of God would have already been bloodied, you know, by mm. the lambs that would have been slain. But God did not – he did not take pleasure in the sacrifice and the killing of the animals, mm. but it represented 
he, he wanted people to be reminded that sin is costly. Yeah. You know, so he, you know, can you imagine, Molly, growing up with a little lamb? Mm-hmm. Remember in the, in, the, in the parable, the lamb ate at the master's table. You know, can you imagine God requiring that lamb? So that represented that, you know, our sin does require the death of something innocent, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was really, you know, a look forward to what Jesus was going to do. So there's two times in the Bible where a, a person is accused or cursed and, and they were called a man of blood. Mark, do you know those times? A man of blood. Yep. Uh, David um, was not allowed to build the temple. He was accused by God of being a man of blood. And by mm. Shimei. But also, oh Shimei! Shimei calls him a man of blood. Oh, but also, who else is called a man of blood? Wasn't it Moses? Moses by his wife. Oh, she calls him a man my... of blood. How'd you know that? Uh, you've taught about that before. <laughs> so, so the title "a man of blood" is a curse, because it's the idea of shedding someone else's mm-hmm. blood, whether it be Moses and his son, or David shedding the blood of innocent people, which is not true, but it was an accusation. But mm-hmm. David was also a warrior who shed people's blood. So then along comes Jesus, who's a man of blood, but it's not other people's blood he sheds, but his own Ooh. for an atonement, a covering. So he's a curse for us. Mm. That's crazy. Okay, so what does this have to do with the giant killer? All right. So this has to do with the idea of hate versus love. So we're going to explore this today. The oh, idea. Wait, wait, time out. That's where we just, you quoted the verse. Yeah. Hate well, it was God. So the verse is hate, hate stirs, stirs up, up conflict, str- yep. but love covers all wrongs. So the conflict between God and man, that enmity that was there, it was Jesus's blood that covered that and made peace between man. It was the shed blood that made peace between well, okay, God and man. Let's go further. It actually says, but love covers all sin. Yes. So the, the shedding of his blood was really the greatest demonstration mm-hmm. of his love. Yes. Wow self-sacrificial love the father had and the son had for us that we now show to each other should we reveal this now to our listeners colin i don't know if you know this yes we should but i don't think i don't think we've not told you about it okay then reveal it okay well let's let's talk about <laughs> wait, it wait, so. wait hold on are you going to stir up conflict or <laughs> no 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 this is huge <laughs> well it? it could stir up conflict is it no no it's huge i want to know okay so we discovered in one of our archaeological digs up in the Middle East, mm-hmm. we discovered a tool, um, a resource that it guarantees, it guarantees success. And every time you use it, it works. It works to resolve any situation. It's 100% bulletproof. It works every single time. Whoa. What is it? Love never fails. Oh. Think about it. It never fails. When in mm-hmm. doubt, and you're in a conflict with your wife, your husband, with your neighbor, with love never fails. Mm-hmm. It's just if you want to resolve it's, the conflict. It's incredibly simple, but it's not that easy because sometimes, you know, we, we don't love people perfectly. Yeah. And it, love requires sacrifice, okay. mm-hmm. which means giving of ourselves, which is not easy. Okay, let's look at it a different way. How about demonstrating the act of love out of obedience rather than feeling? Mm, that's good. Yeah. So if you do that, the feelings will follow. I think sometimes, too, like definitely to that. And then sometimes with situations, it's hard to know what the best way to show love towards someone is. I know, like, personally, you know, sometimes 
speaking the truth to someone is showing love for them, but then sometimes it's it's not. So there's a level of discernment in there too. Mm. I would say err on the side of caution and mercy and grace. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually, usually the times when I've wanted to say something to somebody and I've said it doesn't usually turn out real well. Mm-hmm. And I think if I wait and pray for them and pray that I'll have their usually. I have to ask ask God to help me to see people through his lens rather than my own. Mm. So yeah. what do you do in like a manager sort of position where you have different people who are working for you or, you know, if you've got maybe siblings or something like that where, you know, you do have to address something or maybe it's something that you're not sure quite how to address it. Well, if you have siblings working for you, then you fire them <laughs> for sure. Um, if you have you know, somebody working for you and they're, you know, they're not doing their work, you want to address that right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not helping them by not addressing the situation, you know, and if they have an ad, basically if, if you can deal with attitudes, then everything else is simple after that. Mm-hmm. Because if people have the right attitudes and they, they work hard and they're joyful, it's easy to learn the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they don't have the skills fully learned, I'd rather have people that are less capable than people who are very capable and miserable. <laughs> so so I think it's easy to, you know, the leader has to create the, you know, the environment that he wants to see work being productive and joyful. The same, I, so I love walking in the bindery. It's always like, it's one of my favorite places to mm-hmm. be. I'm, I'm, I'm not skilled at all in there, mm-hmm. but I love going in there. There's a spirit in there that's really the coolest. Yeah. When I go to your office and you've got Rainy in there and, and Grace in there and Sarah's a little bit on the other side and, there's just a cool spirit in there. When you go to Colin's classes, it's the same type of spirit. So I, you appreciate that type of, but when there's there's an undertow and there's there's this conflict brewing, that's mm. this undertow. I think that's what giant hate does because mm. he's not always, you know, outright hateful. Mm. He does some things under the surface that gets people to be irritated at other people. Let's find out what he does. All right. Well, well, I do have another question. Is it? Is no, it? I'm sick and tired of your questions. Move on. Okay, we'll move no, on. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, but what do you do, Mark, like as a, say, like a manager or someone in charge who manages people when you might have overstepped a little and people aren't feeling loved? Last night, talk about it. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, ladies and gentlemen, this I is just, this I is just for wanted me. Molly to feel uncomfortable for, for her normal quotient of uncomfortability ah. that so, she's so you allotted f- for every podcast oh, we do. Okay, so here's what happened. Last, How about you speak directly to Molly on this one? I'm going to speak to you first. <laughs> so I've been trying to get them to do some content marketing and do some things that are a little <sighs> bit stretching, stretch them a little bit. I want them to dig a little deeper and f- come up with ideas that will present God's truth in a way that hooks people in. Mm-hmm. So they read an email and it says something like, you know, did you know that the Hebrew letter A and the Hebrew letter B, which is Aleph and Beth, um, are the first two letters in the alphabet and represent the word for father, you know? And did you know the significance of putting those two letters together and what it could mean to change the world. And then you'd click and say, yes, I want to know more. So I wanted my team to start thinking that way and to develop these questions. And Colin had just taught, well, let me tell you. So I, it was last night, it was 
no one had eaten yet. And everyone's in the room, and I had this special meeting telling them what I wanted them to do. And you could just see in their faces, everyone's like, oh, no, he's doing it again. You know, we're, we're already moving forward in a certain direction. There he goes changing things again. And so I put a little pressure on Colin and said, Colin, you could do this. And Colin does it, and he reads it to me. And I said, nope, I don't like it. Do another one. And he does another one. And we're like, nope, that's not, that's not it either. And I got to remember, we're all extremely tired little irritable and hungry. Mm. So you know about the acronym HALT, right? Mm-hmm. Hungry or hormonal, angry or lonely or tired. Don't react. Don't say anything. So everyone's in those situations last night, and Colin does a third one. I said, no, that's not the way it needs to be done. And I walk out, get some tea, come back in, and and I tell Colin, you, now, come on, you can do this. I know you can do this. And Colin says, remember what you said? No, I, I taught for six hours. <laughs> oh, and, I wrote a, and I wrote a movie script. Yeah. <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses. And I'm like, oh, brother. And then there's Molly sitting over there with, you know, this long, tortured face. And her heart's oh, been no. hurt. Oh, no. Yep, and there's Rainy, the same tortured face, and I'm like, oh, brother, I'm out of here. So I left, and I got about maybe three miles up the road, and um, the Holy Spirit was like, are you serious? Do you know how hard they work, you know, and and they haven't eaten yet? And there I was, someone had prepared me a meal to go, and there I was eating, regaining my strength, and you guys were all back in there probably looking at each other like, what in the world? And I immediately called Colin, and what I do? You apologized, and it was nice. It, yeah. it was very mm-hmm. nice. We had a conversation, and you felt very, uh, like you understood where I was coming from, and very, very much helped. Did I call you, Molly? Um, you called everyone, and and yeah, you called, made a, like a group public apology. Yeah, <laughs> like you you, you reminded us to pray too, which was very yeah. nice. Uh-huh. A lot. That was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's easy. It happens. But it wasn't because I was being hateful. But those little things breed mm. contempt. They breed, you know, when when people are hurt and they feel like they're not being heard or they're not being cared for, those things will build up after a time where mm-hmm. eventually that's where people start then – you know, building silos, that's where they start to take positions. Well, that's amazing that you mentioned that, Mark, because in the Giant Killer book, the the only way the Night Fridays can fight hate is with the sweet fruit of forgiveness. Mm. Mm. That's really cool. Yes. Oh, I love it. So with that being said, how about we read together from the Giant Killer Illustrated Wait a minute, book? Mark sure, and Molly, could you help sure, me with this? Let's sure, make sure Molly's 100%. <laughs> of course. Forgiving. Oh, oh pressure's on. Oh. Forgive now. Or, oh, you're not doing oh, this. Oh, okay, so, all right. So, Mark and Molly, I'm going to need your help here. Are you willing to help me out here by reading from the Giant Killer Illustrated book? Ooh, that's my favorite part. Let's do it, Molly. Yes. Okay, you ready, Well, hmm Eager to continue his quest for the holy relic, the splendid knight, Fides, continued on his journey. Before him lay the overgrown forest of anxiety, where poison darts shot out of the jungle and stung him. After many hours of hacking and slashing his way through, Phytus grew exhausted, hot, and frustrated. In the distance, he heard the sound of a bubbling stream 
Parched and near to dying of thirst, he rushed forward. The soft voice of conscience cried, Beware, brave knight! But Fides ignored the warning and bent down, not realizing that he was drinking from the hot spring of anger. As soon as the water touched his lips, his sword slipped from his hand and fell to the ground, thrashing about in a mad frenzy. All at once, the giant hate leaped out of the bushes, overpowered Phytus, and tied him up. With the knight securely his prisoner, the giant gloated. I have seen more meat on a hummingbird than you. <laughs> they should call you, Sir Phytes, the chicken-legged. <laughs> but I will make a proper meal out of you yet. The giant left in hunt for bitter herbs with which to season and roast the knight. Oh, conscience, I wish I had listened to you and never drank out of the spring of anger. Please, conscience, please help me. Sir Phytus cried out in despair. Conscience appeared before him. There is still hope. Do you see the tree before you? That is the tree of forgiveness that rises above all others. Its fruit is a powerful cure for the poison of hate. Conscience swiftly traced a path to the tree and returned even faster. Gently, she fed him the healing fruit of forgiveness. Phytus could feel a change pass over him. He reached for his mighty sword, which would now let him wield it and cut his bonds. Poison darts called hurtful words lay at Phytus' feet. He was tempted for a moment to use the darts against his enemy, but a thought came to him. What would my king have me do? No, I will not use the darts of hurtful words against my enemies, for my king did not treat me this way when I was his enemy. Phytus broke the darts and cast them aside as unworthy weapons. Just at that moment, a mob of angry villagers under the spell of giant hate rushed at Phytes. Poison darts from the villagers hissed at Phytes this direction and that direction and struck him squarely. Feeling anger take hold once more, Phytus could not lift his sword. Glimpsing the tree of forgiveness out of the corner of his eye, Phytus turned and ran to the tree for refuge. He climbed the tall tree as fast as he could. The angry mob gathered around the foot of the tree and continued to pelt him with the poison darts of hurtful words. With the taste of forgiveness still in his mouth, Phytes began to pluck the fruit of forgiveness and hurl it down upon the villagers. Once they saw the fruit was good to eat, the villagers dropped their darts and began to feast on the fruit called compassion. Rude looks grew innocent, mocking faces grew pleasant, and the crowd's anger at Phytus turned into a gentle spirit. Thank you, kind knight, cried the village elder. We owe you a debt of gratitude because you have returned our evil with good. Never again will we be slaves of the tyrant hate. Anger is bitter, but forgiveness is sweet. We were blinded by anger and wrongly thought you were our enemy. Please come down and fight as our champion against the giant hate. The giant hate and the courageous knight Phytus stood ready to battle, encircled by the villagers. Phytus's swords sparkled in the sun. Hate, arrayed in blood-stained rags, raised a club the size of an oak tree in the air. The club came violently down upon Phytus's shield with a crash like the thunder of a thousand storms. But the champion's guard remained unbroken. Help me, my king, Phytus cried out as he fearlessly thrust his sword deep into the giant's side. The giant let out a great cry of rage before falling, lifeless, at Phytes' feet. Yay, the giant's dead. <laughs> that was... Amazing. Thank you guys so much. The Night Fridays struggled with anxiety, poison darts of 
hateful words and the polluting spring of unrighteous anger. When the giant hate sprung up on him, he was doomed already because he had drink he had drank from the spring of anger. <clears throat> I really thought Fides was doomed. Without the sweet fruit of forgiveness, Fides would have never recovered from the pollution of the spring of anger. The Holy Spirit is the only way to escape hate. The only way to escape hate is to taste of the sweet fruit of God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It, it does lead at least to revival. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, in, in our Baptist church, we experienced a revival of epic proportions. And it started with forgiveness. Yeah. I'll never forget where for a week we had these revival meetings and for a week no one responded. Mm. But it wasn't until the first person, it was, his name was Carmen, um, it was Sunday night and he left the auditorium in the middle of the sermon and he just got up and walked out. And then um, <clears throat> that night he shared why he left. And he said that when he was a senior in high school, he had stolen the tuxedo for his senior prom. And he just, it, now he saved and it bothered him. And he went to the tuxedo shop's uh, owner's house, told him what he had done, and paid him fourfold mm. Whoa. for the tuxedo. And uh, the man was so overwhelmed. He said, he said he's owned this shop for like 30 years and no one has ever, ever returned a tux or, you know, that had stolen one and, and admitted it and did what Carmen did. That's amazing. Carmen shared that story. And then from there... Uh, the only th- the only way to describe what happened next was miraculous. I'd say from there, uh, you know, I have a tendency to exaggerate, so I'm going to try to just really bring this down to a level of of um, acceptable proportions. But I'd say from there, there were at least 20 people who didn't go forward. They went. Some went forward on their knees and just crying out to God. Some went backwards into prayer rooms. And then some went to different people within the church congregation Mm. asking for forgiveness and watching them repent before everybody. It was amazing to watch. And from that moment onward for the next week, we saw revival based on repentance and forgiveness in which transformed that church for the next several years. Yeah. You know, and so if you want to see revival take place, it starts with forgiveness and repentance. Yes, and if you want to see the world repent, you need to see the church repent. People in the doors need to repent in order to have a witness to people outside of the doors. I'm, I'm going to tell you about a book. I don't, don't um, disclaimer, um, don't read this book unless you're extremely spiritually mature. And may, maybe don't even read it. It's called Blue Like Jazz. Mm. group of Christians on this extremely liberal campus. It is the most liberal campus in the United States. And they started this uh, Christian outreach, and they started witnessing to their friends and everything, inviting them to Bible studies, and they got zero response. In fact, they got a bunch of hate mail and and, uh, hate responses. And uh, the leader of the group said, hey, we're we're approaching this in the wrong way. He goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a forgiveness booth and the people were like what you know he said yeah yeah we're going to construct a forgiveness booth booth and put it in the central location on campus so that people have to walk by us and they were like you think people are going to want to like ask for forgiveness are you serious he goes no 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 
we're going to ask them for forgiveness. He goes, every person that walks by, we're going to ask them for forgiveness, not being the kind of Christians that we should have been. He goes, we're going to humble ourselves and say, what could we do better so that we can show you that we really do love you? And that created a revival on that campus. People came to know Christ. It um, was one of the craziest things um, because this group was willing to humble themselves and say, hey, like, we, we really messed up. We, we need your forgiveness. Is this mm. book, was it based off of something that happened or was it fiction or? No, it really happened. That's crazy. They did this, yeah. Well, if you guys are ready, we have some questions Good. to Stay. arm you with the tools you need to fight the giant. Oh, pig. yes, the section. Okay. So are you guys ready? Molly, uh-huh. Mark, are you ready for Is this? Is this like a competition thing? Um, there are questions. <laughs> Whoever answers, gets the answers right, will receive a card that then they can use to fight the giant hate. And this will be part of the game. This is part of the giant killer game okay. that goes along with all of this. It's all about fighting the giant. You ready, Molly? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. According to Leviticus 19. I'm going to put you under. You're not <laughs> supposed to see. Wait, wait. Say it again. I missed it. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> According to Leviticus 19, 17, and 18. You are not supposed to seek what? Selfish gain. You're not supposed to seek your, um, seek money. Mm. Do not hate your fe- a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, fr- neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge Ooh, against anyone among revenge. your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. All right. We both missed that one. Next one. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 says there's a time. A time to hate. Time for everything under the sun. No, time for everything under heaven. Okay. Ready? There's a time for love. There's a time for hate. And then there's a time for what? War. Yes. War. Peace. And there's a time for peace. All right. Good job, Molly. Wait. What do you mean, Molly? I got the peace part. Oh, you did? <laughs> Fight war was the answer, though. Peace was the opposite of war. Okay. According to Proverbs 8.31, to fear the Lord is to do what? To hate. Correct. What God hates. To hate pride Self. and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Ah. Yes. Okay. According to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up what? Strife. Yes. Conflict. conflict. Yeah, strife or conflict. It does work. Well, which one is it? It's They're both the same. Okay. Okay. Well, no, does it actually say conflict or does it actually say strife? Yeah, because, like, if it doesn't say conflict, we don't like that. No, I want to know. Does it start with a C or does it start with an S? It starts with a C. Oh, then I get it. Okay. Give me your card back. I was right. trying to, like, stir up some strife All there. right. <laughs> it's like, how much Actually, how, how I think if you look at the ESV, it probably would say... Um, Conflict, and then if you look in King James, it probably says strife. Yeah, I got, I got the okay. NKJV there. According to Psalm thirty-one six, God hates people who cling to what? Ooh, thirty-one six. Psalm thirty-one. He hates people verse who six. cling to. I feel like it's going to be something like maliciousness, but not maliciousness. It'd be like vengeance. Idols. Oh. Oh. God hates people who cling to idols. Mm. That's interesting. That's the last thing that John says in the is. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Oh, yeah. First Mm. epistle, chapter 5. In Psalm 36, 1 and 2, the wicked do not fear God, so they flatter themselves too much to do what? I don't know. They cannot do something because they flatter themselves too much. They cannot 
enjoy their food. Mm. Mm. I like it. Concerning the sinfulness of the wicked, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their own sin. Ooh, really? So you're, so you're talking about like verse. there's a good kind of hate and a bad kind of hate. Yeah. Um, so there's one thing about the giant hate. Um, God hates sin. He hates evil. He hates all things that are contrary to his nature. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, when you have hatred between people that's caused by sin, a sinful hatred, an unrighteous hatred, mm-hmm. that's what God condemns. Mm. And that's what the Bible talks about in the New Testament, about love and hate. And we're supposed to have a spirit of love amongst each other. And hate comes from self-seeking, like James said. Why do you hate each other and fight and quarrel? Mm. It's because your own selfish desires. But then the answer to that is to love each other and seek each other's will. So with that being said, okay, you guys ready for the next one? Yes. In Psalm 119, oh, I got this one. verse 163, what does the psalmist hate? Lies. Um, Those that turn away from righteousness. He hates the wicked. It says, I hate and detest falsehood, mm. but I love your law. All right. I think I'll take false. I'll take lies. Mark we, got that one. We didn't do very good on this one. Huh? No. All right. We still got some more questions, though. I don't know a lot of verses on hate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. We must hate what is evil and cling to... That was she's good. You got it. Yes. All right. Ephesians 4.31 says to get rid of what? Evil speaking, all manner of something, something. <laughs> oh, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, Whoa. along with every form of malice. That's a lot. I know. Isn't it crazy? Um, okay. According to 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 11, anyone who claims to be in the light but does not, but does what to a brother? Hates his brother. Or sister Loves still in his darkness. Brother. Hates Any, his brother. Anyone who hates his brother is still in darkness. I think you're going to need multiple choice in helping the kids know the verses. Yeah. He's going to actually like read the verses. Yeah, I have them. the verses read and then they have to answer them. Oh. So in the actual giant killer, I would read the verse for them. But since you guys are adults, I'm making it a little bit more tricky and hard. Okay. Are you ready? It says in Luke 6, verses 27 and 28, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to do to people who hate us? Love them. Pray for them. Love them and pray for them, yes. Do good to them. I'll give it to you, but I'll give you both a card on that one. All oh, right. Sweet. We're coming to the end of our list here. Bum, bum, um, bum, <laughs> but in First John... Chapter 3, verses 14 and 50. Anyone who hates a brother is what? Liar. Guilty of... A little bit worse. Guilty of being a murderer? Condemned. A a murderer. Ooh. Molly got it. A murderer. You said that? Good job, Yes. Okay. There's one more question. Okay. This one. Winner takes all. Here goes. Okay. Last question. Are you right? Wait. Time out. Molly, you agree? Uh Uh-huh. Winner takes all. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. According to 1 John, chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. We love him because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother is a liar. Okay? That's what I was going to say. So, it goes on to say, whoever does not love their brother or sister, what does it say next? Loves not the Lord and the truth is not in him. Yes. Oh, no. Seriously? Whoever loves the, does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. You just said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good job, Molly. You she want, won. Yay. You, want, you, want, you love that, don't you? Oh. <laughs> you, want, you want coffee or tea? I see the giant well, Kate has appeared again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. No, it would be more like jealousy, maybe. Oh, yeah, know. that's pride, right? That's, <laughs> that's next week. Oh, Mark. the that's giant pride has just crept into that's the next recording week. studio. He's made an appearance. Yikes. Um, so, that was a teaser for next week. <laughs> well, what we've learned this week is hate can be really ugly. Yeah. And it can stir up evil things in our hearts and other people's hearts. And love builds up other people and encourages mm. them to do good. Um, this week, my challenge to everyone wait, at home. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. <clears throat> do you hate anybody? M- me? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people I struggle with disliking. Um, and there's people that I, I struggle with feelings of anger towards but I think you have to keep short sin accounts mm-hmm. and I think we all have people in our lives who you know have wronged us or or who have provoked us mm-hmm. and I, I think the key is to continually go back to the cross and and every time you go there try to keep short sin accounts and forgive them and settle the anger and um, really continue to place them back in the place they need to be on mm-hmm. the shelf so I've got three people in my life that I can so when I was young and we were building our first house, our our plumber, he wanted $6,000 down and then he brought some copper in for some of the, of the work and and um, and then a few weeks later, he burned his house down and he was gone. Mm. And um, Whoa. Yeah, so we lost $6,000. Oh, Mark. And then, same house, someone stole all our windows. Um, they came, they delivered them on, on a Monday and um, Tuesday morning, they were all gone. Oh, boy. And, Whoa. and we pretty much know who did it, mm. you know, and, uh, but it was never able to prove it. And then, and then later on, um, a, um, a man that just for some reason didn't like us, our family, we're a homeschool family, we had young kids. David was around five or six, and he purposely ran over our dog in front of right David was probably 10 feet away and you could see he pushed his car off to the side of the road and ran our dog over and that was just really difficult you know because Mm -hmm. it it hurt my son Mm. Um, and then more recently we've been struggling with this issue with a government official that's thinks he's um, a pharaoh Um, but I don't hate him Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I hate any of them Mm-hmm. I don't like what they did. Um, and God will have the last say in people's lives. But mm-hmm. I think the reason I don't hate them is because of how much God has forgiven me. I think that's the only reason that I can move forward and not ho- not think about it. You know, Even though I brought those three things up just now, I, I don't ever think about it, and it doesn't weigh heavily on my heart. But there's a, a brother who not my brother, but a brother in California who, he was a partner, um, it was a triple partnership in a uh, company and came to work one day and found all his belongings on his desk in a box and they somehow figured out how to legally knife him in the back and get him out. Mm. And he spent the next 10 years fighting this battle in court. And um, when I saw him Five years later, I couldn't believe it was the same person. When I saw him 10 years later, he looked like he had aged 40 years. He looked mm-hmm. like an 80 and 90-year-old. Um, he was on medication. He couldn't talk properly, 
just kind of standing there. And, and, I, and I saw what happened to him. What happened to him is that hate had taken over to such a degree Vengeance had taken over to such a, it controlled his life. Mm-hmm. That in, in itself had become his new idol, his new place of of worship. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what happens with people when we get our eyes off of what God is trying to do. God's sovereign; He's He gives us certain assignments that are difficult. Yeah. And when we don't recognize those assignments and we start hating other people, then we don't learn what God's trying to teach us. Yeah. But we're able to really move forward and not hold on to those things. Based upon how much you've been forgiven little, then you're gonna love little. Been forgiven much, you're gonna love much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of three things that I've kind of wrestled with in the last couple of years. Um, one is uh, the story of when Jesus was betrayed, and Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, and then uh, Jesus does this most remarkable of things. He reaches down and he picks up the ear. He places it back on the young man's head and he heals him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this he is, put his ear on backwards, though. This is a this is a person. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Is, wait this, a second. You got to comment on that. <laughs> well, you know what? It wouldn't have made much difference because if he was trying to arrest Jesus, he wasn't listening in the first place. Okay, so, he didn't really put his ear on backwards. <laughs> he didn't really him. use his ears. But the idea, though, is that Jesus was standing between the high priest and power, and this young man was part of a a mob that was whipped up to eliminate Jesus and. And in one sense, uh, you know, when people want power and they're willing to push Christ overboard for power, um, you have to see them like Jesus does. does. Mm-hmm. And you have to see, what would Jesus have me do? And you, see, you can see a clear picture of Jesus heals this young man who's clearly part of this mob that's going to do way worse to him. And so you say, oh, okay, so... This is part of God's plan, and Jesus knows it, but he still loves these people. Like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Um, the second thing that I've really wrestled with is, you know, as, as uh, the youngest child, you, you struggle with injustice. Mm-hmm. All youngest children struggle with injustice. It's not fair. Mm. You know, things are just done to you that are not fair. It's wrong. Happened to you? What? Injustice? Oh, no, I was thinking of my youngest sibling oh. <laughs> and how much we teased her. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and th- your things just happen. You just... You just, you struggle with that. It's a natural thing for a lot of youngest. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, a big corner is you can acknowledge something is wrong and it's not just, but at the end of the day, vengeance belongs to God. Mm-hmm. And you have to allow God and give God authority and put him on the throne of your heart and say, mm-hmm. you will do what is right here and mm-hmm. I will surrender any right to execute judgment. And the third thing that really has I've struggled with is you can't have a harvest and collect a harvest while you're trying to burn someone else's barn down. <laughs> and so you can either, you know, there's a time in your life where you can either hold on to anger and bitterness mm-hmm. and try to destroy someone else's harvest, kind of like Samson does with the foxes and the flames. Mm-hmm. Or you can look out at the world and say, there's too much work to be done here. I've got too much in front of me. God has mm-hmm. blessed me. He's given me so much work to do at Lamplighter, mm-hmm. with Mark, with my family, with my church. There's just too much to do to waste my time on being angry mm-hmm. or being upset or, or, or not forgiving these people and just moving on. Um, you know, you can't have both. You can't have anger and hate and at the same time have love. And, and so uh, there's just not enough time. That's what John says. You know, you cannot say that I love my brother and yet have hate in your heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Impossible. And once you're once you see the work that's be done, it's easy to forgive, 
because you got stuff to do, you got blessings in front of mm-hmm. you. Forget that nonsense. Yeah, you know? abs- amen. Yeah, and, that's good. And that's a, those are three things I've struggled with in the last like couple of years. And I've come to a place where, you know, it's a continual. You have to continually keep short accounts. I think this is what Jesus is teaching or the washing the feet is about. Washing the feet, I think, is a symbol of forgiveness. Mm. It's something, feet get dirty. They just, you're going out on the road here and there, your feet get dirty. From time to time, you need to wash people's feet, which is forgiving them. Mm. And it's dirty and it's gross, but it's necessary if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Mm. So um, with that being said, the assignment today for everyone at home is to think hard about one person you need to forgive in your heart and to forgive them this week. Mm. And never forget, love never fails. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net.